You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. Your host is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. Will healthcare reform do enough to alleviate the current problems in our system, or is the entire delivery model of healthcare in need of a substantial redesign? Our guest is Dr. Harry Greenspun, Chief Medical Officer of Dell Services and co author of the book, Reengineering Healthcare a manifesto for radically rethinking healthcare delivery. Welcome, Dr. Greenspun. Thanks very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Now, in your recent book, you say that reform isn't going to fix our healthcare system, at least as it's currently configured, and that instead the system needs pretty radical reengineering. Can you explain what you mean by reengineering? Sure. Well, you know, to start in terms of healthcare reform, and what we really got in healthcare reform was largely payment reform, where we changed how doctors are paid and how insurance companies operate. But what we didn't do was talk about changing how healthcare itself is delivered, what the processes are. And we've really left that pressure on hospitals and providers to figure out how are they going to deliver a higher quality, safer, and lower cost care in this new system. And so, you know, when we think about a lot of these sort of improvements in the past, they've been sort of small incremental improvements. And we've seen, you know, docs able to see, you know, one more patient each hour and things of that nature. But really, no one has spent much time thinking about, well, how would we redesign the system to really address the needs of quality, safety, and cost? Incidentally, we might have to blow it up to do what you're talking about, but in the Affordable Care Act, there are some faith-based provisions there, as I call them anyway. One is that you know we're going to change the payment model toward incentivizing quality. Another is that we're going to lower the cost. And another is that we're going to you know transform the primary care infrastructure. Those things are in there in rhetoric, but there's no way for the law to actually do those things. That's still yet to come in the future. But So what you're talking about, though, delivery system reform, teams of care and so forth, it's going on out there in, in a way in some places – what do you consider the elements of the reengineering that you'd like to see? Well, you know, I think what a lot of people have done is, again, is find small improvements here and there. But, you know, there have been a lot of really forward-thinking individuals. They've been doctors, they've been nurses, they've been hospital administrators, and others who've thought of, you know, if we were, you know, going to do something in a whole different way, if we thought about what are we trying to accomplish in terms of patient health or patient safety, you know, how would we do it? How would we use our people? Because, you know, a lot of the systems that we have in place and the workflows we have in place are, are kind of evolutionary. I've been in, you know, in healthcare and medicine long enough and in my own practice, you know, things started out where you wrote an order and someone took it off and then a patient got a medication was done. And over the course of time, those have gotten more and more complicated. So, for example, in one of the hospitals we talked to, that had grown to something like 30 steps from the time that someone ordered it to the time the patient got it. And, you know, each one of those is an opportunity for mistakes to be made, for errors to be made, and adding in more cost. And we almost haven't noticed how we've made these systems more and more complicated and sort of lost sight of what would really benefit the patient and improve the quality of care. Well, so government's trying to change the context because the costs are unsustainable. How could reengineering be implemented or how would it occur? How, do we, how would we create the context for this? Well, if you think about, you know, one of the interesting things that came out in healthcare reform was this concept of the accountable care organization, which allows providers to band together 
and basically say, we're going to all work together to improve the health of individuals, to make sure they do better. And the process, if we coordinate our care, we believe that patients will be healthier, people will be healthier, and we'll spend less money on health care. And it opens the door for some new models. You know, there's some things that in the past just haven't you know, taken off, which a lot of people think be helpful in terms of home health and telehealth and use of other types of visits, whether it's by email or instant messaging, whatever, largely because they weren't paid for under the current system. And if we can change the model saying, look, to the providers, do whatever you think you need to do to keep these people healthy. And whatever you do, if it keeps them healthier and you spend less money, you know, we'll reward you for it. So I think we have some opportunities with healthcare reform to do some really innovative things that in the past, just the way this, our payment system was structured, wouldn't be possible. You thought about this and you decided time to write a book and try to influence how some of the healthcare delivery system and policy folks think about this. Well, it's interesting, you know, because Jim Champy, who I owe a great debt of gratitude, is famous for um, his work reengineering the corporation. Healthcare is one of these places where everyone thinks that, you know, we're so different from other industries, but in fact, we're really behind lots of other industries. And when you think about the advances, particularly information technology that other industries have gone through, and healthcare lags behind. I mean, you know, none of us would consider going to a bank that didn't have online banking, and many of us make restaurant reservations online. And yet, just a fraction of the population has access to their medical records electronically. And, you know, if you think of your listeners, that, you know, ask themselves the number of people who are able to actually make an appointment online with their physician's office is tiny. So, you know, we exist in a world where this sort of information is available and exists, except healthcare. It's like a trip into the era of the Flintstones. And even more so, we need the clinical data. We don't need just claims and payment data, which we have a lot of, by the way. And it's being used, but it's being used for economic purposes. I mean, reengineering how we care for patients, I assume that's what you're really talking about here. In other words, producing better health care outcomes, healthier people at lower costs, right? Yeah. And again, information is key to that. I mean, number, first, we have to actually get the information. We have to get electronically so we can do something. With it. And then it's got to be moved around. It's got to be available at the point of care. We're in a very mobile population. People go from doctor to doctor and city to city, and they need to have access to information. And, you know, ultimately, we can keep them healthier and lower our overall costs. But, you know, one of the things that we often don't appreciate is that, you know, without good information, you can't even tell whether you're getting good quality care. Uh, ask other doctors, like, are you a good doctor? Or is your partner a good doctor? Yeah. And how you would you know? know? I mean, based on what? Do you know how well your patients do compared to some sort of standard that they ought to be achieving? It's interesting when, and you know, the American Cardi Cardiology and the Society of Thoracic Surgeons, particularly in cardiovascular care, have done a great job. We've got some data, and we give people dashboards, and they don't necessarily like it. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. Our guest is Dr. Harry Greenspun, Chief Medical Officer of Dell Services and co-author of the book, Reengineering Healthcare, a Manifesto for Radically Rethinking Healthcare Delivery. We're discussing the need to redesign our entire healthcare system. Harry, do we have to re-engineer the patients as well? Well, the patients have been a, um, you know, for lack of a better word, a tough nut to crack. Patient engagement, getting people more involved in their own healthcare has been very, very challenging. You know, there's, unfortunately, politically, there's not a lot of will to enforce a lot of requirements on individuals to take care of their own health. I mean, think about the 
in the presidential campaign, there was a lot of talk about prevention and wellness. And pretty quickly, wellness went away because you know, prevention is what your doctor does for you. Wellness is you taking care of yourself. Yeah, it's not really politically popular. I don't think patients are to blame because, you know, we have systems where, you know, models of payment where you have these healthcare savings accounts where patients can make their own choices about how they spend their own money. But the problem is your average patient can't find out good information on who's a high-quality doctor, what's the best medicine for my treatment that's most cost-effective. I mean, that data is not readily available uh, in a way that they can understand to allow them to make really educated choices. I mean, people can make much better choices about which car to buy or, you know, which snowblower is right for their climate than they can of, you know, what's the right medicine or what's the right treatment for their high cholesterol. You know, in cardiology, we actually have a lot of that data and we're getting the outpatient data now as well. But even so, it's taken a while for people to want to use it. We just, you know, you might have seen this study just published recently, the 22% of implantable defibrillators were inappropriately placed. We're using the American College of Cardiology NCDR data to reveal that. And we see some hospitals that are working on it and actually reducing inappropriate uses and others that are not. And, uh, you know, the incentives in the payment system aren't aligned to go there. What about that? You said earlier that payment reform isn't the focus, but I wonder, without incentives to re-engineer the system in those directions you're suggesting. Do you think it's going to happen? Well, we definitely need incentives, and incentives need to be aligned. That's one of the problems we had are misaligned incentives, where the, you know, people mm-hmm. are incented to yeah, do the volume. wrong thing. And if we can you know, align the physician's incentives to keep patients healthier and the patient's incentive to keep themselves healthy and make good choices about health care, you know, we can make an impact both on health and on cost. We've had personal health records and, and lots of other things around, which people just don't use because... Often the doctors don't have access to it. The doctors won't use it. And frankly, no one's saying, hey, if you use this, we'll knock, you know, 20 bucks a month off your health plan costs. Well, in your book, you had some organizations that you cited that have done some reengineering for healthcare. Can you give us briefly a couple examples to think about? Yeah, I mean, there's some really interesting places. You know, I mentioned earlier about the medication. This was at Methodist Hospital in Houston. And, you know, again, they looked at the medication risks and they realized they had 31 steps for drug ordering they managed to bring that down to 23 and dramatically reduce the number of medication errors they got. And your view was that the reengineering allowed them to inspire change rather than to try to manage it. Yeah, they looked at, you know, how did we get to where we are, which was in some ways almost unconscious. And, you know, is there a better process that we could do to make that happen? We talked about Lenox Hill ER was one and Harvard Vanguard. We were talking about the social contract in which the community takes precedence over the individual. Yeah, and it was interesting that you know, Harvard Vanguard has gone through some very interesting processes where they've looked at, you know, what's the experience for the patient and mm-hmm. how can they best communicate? Often their systems were actually designed for the doctors, not for the patients. And by looking at better ways of getting patients to have access to the physicians, including doing some very interesting with group visits where you had patients with similar medical conditions, able to all sit down together and spend a longer amount of time, you know, with a physician to discuss their issues and bring things out. And teaching each other. Yeah. teaching each other, yeah. It was a a much more supportive process. Yeah, well, you know, the payment systems haven't supported that, but where it happens in places, you know, integrated systems that see the value because the insurance side and the delivery side of those systems are aligned. And, you know, the insurance side will pay for new services for the delivery system because it saves money or improves outcomes. And uh, we're going to have to get there. I wonder how we can encourage other organizations out there, maybe people listening to us right now, 
would be motivated to try to re-engineer healthcare. Harry, any ideas about uh, how we could do that? You know, a lot of people think it as an enormous undertaking. And really, you know, in the book we cite, lots of examples are very, very small, whether it's, you know, working in the emergency room in Lenox Hill or whether it's the pharmacy program in Novant in North Carolina, where an individual clinician or, or other person working in the hospital or a physician's practice who says, you know what, what we're doing doesn't make sense. Let's try and try something different. Let's find people who are interested in making this work better and saying, what are we trying to achieve? Not how are we doing it, but what's the outcome we're trying to achieve? And is there a different process that we could try that might be better? And do a small pilot, and again, using metrics, look at the results. And what we've seen over and over again is as people get these small successes, they begin to build into a culture where you know, lots of folks around them begin to say, you know what, there's a better way that we could do this because what we're doing right now is not working well. And then you begin to build a culture of reengineering, a culture of improvement that can become a sustainable way of life for an organization. Does this have to start top-down with the CEO, uh, chief medical officer, others in these organizations saying, this is what we're going to do, folks, let's get together and do it? Or does it bubble up from the bottom? I mean, how do you see this actually happening? The candle kind of burns from both ends in terms of, you know, the leadership needs to have, again, instilled the culture and the vision that this is going to be a progressive organization where we are going to try new things. We're going to be innovative. But the ideas really have to come from the folks in the front lines saying, you know, how would I do this differently? I mean, another example at one practice was some of the administration folks and the nurses were in a totally different area, impossible to communicate. Calls would get dropped. and They couldn't even speak to each other. They physically moved the folks to put them close together so they could communicate more effectively. And, you know, there were small things like that that actually made big differences. In the program I mentioned in North Carolina, they redeployed pharmacists from rather than working just in the hospital pharmacy, they got them to actually reach out to patients who had been discharged already, got them to go to their medicine cabinets and, you know, found all the stuff that was in there and then went through sort of medicine by medicine saying, okay, you've been discharged from the hospital. This is what you're supposed to be on now. What do you actually have? And they were able to reduce their drug-related readmissions from about 18% down to 4%. And just using the same people differently to think about what are they trying to accomplish. We've been talking with Dr. Harry Greenspun about the need to re-engineer our healthcare system. Harry, thank you for being our guest. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.